Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, it's great. Isn't it fantastic as a church we can come together and just talk about the vision for 2020? You know, I was thinking about this morning about how as a young boy growing up, I never really would have ever thought that I would have reached 2020. It seemed like miles and miles and miles away. There were so many predictions that Jesus would come back before the year 2020. My dad tells me the story, just even when I was a young boy, that there was a prediction that Jesus would come back on a certain time at a certain date. And my dad was telling me that he was in his armchair on that certain date, on that certain time, grabbing hold of the armchair, ready for Jesus to take him home. I don't know why he was grabbing onto the armchair, but it doesn't really matter. But here we are, 2020. You know, as I was thinking about this year, I believe God has got some great things in store for our church in 2020. Come on, who believes that this morning? Well, I was actually looking at some of the predictions that people made 40, 50 years ago about the year 2020. And I thought I'd just read this out before we start this morning. In 1967, the Futurist magazine and the Rand Global Think Tank that talked about the future and where the world was heading predicted that animals would rise to a new level of intelligence right across the globe. And they wrote this article, Intelligent Apes Become Chauffeurs. I don't know, sometimes I wonder when I'm driving along the Monash, there's some animals on the Monash. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Roads would become tubes that according to a 1957 article in Popular uh, Mechanics, which explained how the family vehicle in the year 2020 would only need enough power to get to your home, to the nearest tube, and then the tube vacuum would suck you to your nearest destination. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Thomas Edison, now Thomas Edison did a lot of great things for the world, but Thomas Edison predicted that everything in the year 2020, from the basement in your home to the walls, will be made of steel. He says the baby of the 21st century will be rocked in a steel cradle. His father would sit in a steel chair at a steel dining table, and uh, it would be just full of steel furnishings. There was another prediction that they completely got wrong, is that they said that computers were only a fad, and they would die off in a few years. Got that one wrong, didn't they? All the predictions in 2020. The final one was this, that in 1967, someone predicted that we would all be living in flying houses. Who's ever seen the movie Up? Oh, they started that. Imagine that, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? No pipes, no nothing, just flying houses. You know, today, Vision Sunday is not about predictions. Vision Sunday is about promises that God has given us and the confidence that God is going to take us to the destination that he's always promised us. And so today is not just about predicting about the future. Today is about talking about the promises and the confidence that we have in some of the things that God is putting on our heart. And you know, last October, some of you may have not been here. That's the reason why we've actually put these uh, on our seats uh, today, I want to encourage you to grab one of these. Last October, we launched the five-year legacy build in the life of the church. And we talked about how over the next five years, these are some of the things that we are wanting to see happen and some of the plans that we believe that we can achieve globally and uh, Melbourne-wise as a congregation. And uh, we talked about, if you have a look at this, you'll see the 70-year history 
as, as, as the church. I want to encourage you, if you haven't grabbed one of these, grab one of these as you leave the meeting today. Pray about it. Uh, really allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to you about that as well. But you know, began to think about in the next two to three years, our church would have been around for 70 years. Quite amazing, isn't it? You know. But I do believe that what we're doing over the next five years is setting our church up for the next 70 years. Now you say that's a big statement to make. That's a big prediction to make. But let me just say this, 70 years ago, there was a bunch of people in a prayer meeting that made a decision to step out in faith, and as a result, we have the church that we have today. Imagine the foundation that we build over the next five years, that what we're building is not just for us and not just for our generation, but for generations to come. The Bible speaks about a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. I just don't believe it's talking about just a physical inheritance. I think it's talking also about a spiritual inheritance, a legacy, a culture that goes well beyond us as a congregation, but moves into a whole new generation. And you know, I was saying this to the staff the other day, and I said, you know, you think about it in that small prayer meeting, 70 years ago, there was a bunch of people that started to pray to believe that God would use them to really have an impact in this whole city. They would have never thought that now there is a church of thousands. I do believe that this is our small group in 2020. Imagine what God can do over the next seven years as we begin to step out in faith and believe in great faith what God wants to use us for, for the next generation. But you know, today is not just about the blessing that God has for the church. And we talked about this in October. We talked about some of the congregational things that we're going to do. We talked about some of the buildings we're going to build in Casey and the refurbishment in Chadston and uh, building on a new foyer here in Dandenong. But I want to just encourage you today that, uh, you know, 2020 is not just about what we're doing globally as a church, but it's also what God wants to do in your house, in your life, in your family for 2020. You know, often when you talk about people building and, and so forth, you know, you, there's a number of people that come to mind. Ne uh, Nehemiah comes to mind. Talks about the things that he built in the house of God. King Solomon was another uh, great general of the faith that we often read about when we talk about building. And we know this very well, that Solomon built a temple, Solomon built a palace, and the buildings that he established were so significant that people came from all around the world to see the significance of what Solomon built. But amongst all of that, there is a great little scripture that speaks about the culture and the atmosphere that was established under Solomon's reign. And I believe that this is our theme for 2020. First Kings chapter 4, verse 25. I love this. It says, During the lifetime of Solomon, all of Judah and Israel lived in peace and safety. And from Dan in the north to Bathsheba in the south, each family had its own home and garden. I want to say this today, this church doesn't exist just for the corporate congregational blessing, but that families in this house get blessed, that pa parents get blessed, that marriages get blessed. And what I love this whole picture of Solomon, that it wasn't just about the big things, that as a congregation they came together what they built, but it was about individual people as well. And what I love about our church is that it's not just we are a large church. We're doing stuff all around the world. But we are also a church that is small enough to care for the individual. That we are a church that is there to make sure that the individual is blessed 
as well. And I love this in Solomon's day. It wasn't just congregational blessing or congregational breakthrough, but it was family breakthrough. It was family blessing. It was families receiving what they needed from the Lord. And let me encourage you today that as this church moves forward and we continue to impact nations and build stuff and change people's lives, let me encourage you that every family can move forward in 2020. That you can see breakthrough in your own family. That every family can walk in their God-given destiny. And there are three things that I want to talk to you about this morning that you're going to see kind of permeated through uh, our church over the next 12 months. The first one is family. The first one is family. Not just your family, but the spiritual family that you and I are a part of. Now, maybe your family situation is a challenge. Can I just say that God has brought you into this house to be involved in a larger family? You know. And uh, I was reading this about blessing in the Old Testament. I was, listening to, I was listening to a Hebrew scholar that talked about what the word bless actually means. And he said it means a number of things, but there are two categories that stand out when it talks about God blessing people in the Old Testament. And the way that he summed it up was basically this, that blessing equals empowerment for abundant living. Blessing equals empowerment for abundant living. That in essence, that is what it means to actually be blessed. That God blesses us to empower us to live abundantly. When God blessed the first couple, Adam and Eve, he was empowering them to live the abundant life that he created them to live in creation. And out of all the blessing of ideas in the Old Testament, there are two that actually stand out. The first one is the blessing to empower families, to grow families, to bless families. The second idea of blessing is this whole of blessing to produce wealth. But when you think about the idea of blessing for families, I was reading this in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Look at this passage of the promise of God for Israel as a collective family. It says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness has covered the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble come to you. Your sons, listen, he's talking about family now. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant, and your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth of the seas will be brought to you. The riches of the nations will come. You know, the Bible speaks so much about individuals and families and parents and, and children. You know, Isaiah 54 verse 13, all your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. You go back to this passage in 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 25. And it talks about that every family would have its own home and garden. What it literally means in the Hebrew, it literally means that the simplicity of their needs will be met. The simplicity of their needs will be met. I think some of those people just struggle with that idea that in their own lives, that, you know, can God just bless me in meeting my very basic needs? I want to stir your faith in 2020 that you can actually start to believe in your own family 
You know, sometimes we believe for the church and we're pouring our lives into the church and we believe that God is going to break through in the church, but sometimes we don't put enough emphasis on our own lives and where God is actually taking us. Can I encourage you in 2020 to take stock of your family this year? Just take stock of your parenting this year. To take stock of the relationships that God wants to build in your life. I'm convinced that walking a godly life with God is a life where God can make you meet all of your needs through His riches and glory. And this is what the Bible's talking about, that in this wonderful corporate blessing, there was this wonderful individual blessing where every family had their own home and garden. You look at the wealth of today, you can't say that in Australia today, that every family has their own home and garden. But there's a sense here with God's people that God will take care of our very basic needs. Can you believe for some breakthroughs in your family in 2020? Can you believe for some shifts in the things that maybe have been holding you back in 2020? Can you believe for some maybe some generational stuff that has been happening behind the scenes that, you know what, you're wondering when God is actually going to break through? Can you believe that this is the year of breakthrough? Parents, can you believe that maybe there's some challenges with your kids this year? Can you believe that this is the year of breakthrough that God will begin to give your kids a new revelation of His goodness and His grace and His favour over their lives? Maybe today there's been struggles in your marriages. Can you believe that this year that there's going to come healing and reconciliation and connection back again? That again, it's not just about what we're doing as a church. But I can believe with you that 2020 is going to be your best year for family, your best year for peace, your best year for the blessing of God over your life. And you know, tonight, what I love about our church, I love our prayer meetings. I love the fact that we can pray and anoint people. You know, tonight we're going to do an anointing service for families and we're just going to pray. We're just going to believe that God is going to bring breakthrough into your family. Maybe today your family has suffered sickness. We're going to pray that today that that is broken over your family. That in 2020, that that completely reverses this year. And God does a supernatural work in your family in 2020. Maybe your family has been struggling with strife and conflict. That every time you come together, there's always conflict in your family. We're going to pray that this is going to be a year of peace for your family. I want to encourage you to come out tonight. It's going to be a very, very powerful night. You know... Over this year, we're going to be doing series, like a series I'm going to be doing called Builders and Breakers. You know, in every house, there is, there is language that builds and there's also language that breaks. There are behaviours that build and behaviours that break. There are attitudes that build and attitudes that break. We're going to talk about having a healthy family environment that we're not breaking people, but we are encouraging and building people, right? So this year is about family. The second one is this whole idea of spiritual inheritance. Spiritual inheritance. And this really speaks about your own walk with God. And the walk with God that you have learned from other people. That your walk with God is not just about you and your personal needs being met, but that you and I are an example to other people in the way that we respond in faith, in the way that we behave, in the way that we respond out of pressure. You know, I began to think about my own life, and many of you would have different stories that would be similar to what I'm about to say, but I would probably say that I am the sum of all the people that have invested in my life over the years. I began to think about the people that have left me a spiritual inheritance. I learned to pray from my parents. I will often share this, that as a young boy, when I'd get up and go get a glass of water in the middle of the night, I'd see my dad praying. 
on his knees for hours. He would often start at 3 a.m. in the morning and pray all the way till, till 6 a.m. My dad never graced the pulpit of large stages. He never became a minister. He was just a good old guy that was just serving the Lord from a, a volunteer basis, but he learned how to pray. He knew how to pray. I learned my desire for prayer by not seeing my dad talk about it, but by seeing my dad do it on a regular basis. I learned how to run a connect group and how to love the unlovely and how to love people that other people would reject it. I remember running a connect group in some of the challenging parts of Adelaide where we had people that had come, into, come out of quite difficult situations and people that had major social problems. And I began to just get around those people and love those people and uh, begin to learn pastoring skills out of those people. I learned that from my old youth pastors, Pastor Russell and Sam Evans. Remember them coming to me saying, we want to give you an opportunity to run a connect group. I learned how to actually minister in those early days, something like 30 years ago. I remember being under their ministry and learning how to move in the Holy Spirit and beginning to move in the prophetic and just encourage people by the gifts of the Spirit. Praise God, we serve a God who where the gifts of the Spirit still flow to today, you know. And I remember years ago just learning how to operate in that, I did, that didn't come by mind. Yes, I fasted and prayed and I sought God and I had to get revelations myself. But there are other people that imparted that breakthrough into my life. I began to think about how Pastor Alan and Joan have had an influence, such a significant influence on uh, Frank and I's life. You know, some of you maybe just recently joined our church there with the previous senior pastors and uh, we, they handed over the church to us about seven years ago. They were here for something like 30 years. And I will have to say that Pastor Alan is one of the most wisest men I've ever met. And uh, just talking with him and working with him over the last 10 years about the complexities of running a large church and, and just learning just different things and just the, the wisdom that this man has brought into our lives. I, I got my passion for missions from Pastor Alan. You know, I remember thinking missions was just about some small thing that you do. And when I got here, Alan goes, you need to go see what missions that we're doing around the world would blow my mind the fact that this church, this church, this church is not out of Turak, this church is out of Dandenong, yet every few years we raise millions of dollars to touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know. Um, I learnt that, I learnt that through Pastor Allen. These guys didn't leave me a physical inheritance, but they left me a spiritual inheritance, one that shaped who I am, one that has developed so many aspects of my leadership. Another way of saying it is they left me a healthy spiritual culture that has shaped my life. Psalm 78 verse 1. I love this. It says, my people hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from old, things that we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation praiseworthy deeds of the Lord his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob. He established the laws in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know them and even children yet to be born. They in turn would tell their true children. They would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commandments. I want to say this church, it doesn't matter whether you're wealthy or not in this place today, you have got a spiritual inheritance that you can pass on to the next generation. That what God has done in our lives, the breakthrough that, that he's done, the, the revelations that he's given us, that it's not just for us, 
but it's for other generations that will go before us. What I love about our church is that we are a multi-generational church. I love the fact that the older speak to the younger. I love the fact that different generations will give keys to younger generations. It's the way that church life should actually operate. That's why even as a church, we committed to youth and young adult ministry, to have a healthy youth group. Maybe in your family, there has never been a history of spiritual inheritance. My dad was the first to give his life to Christ that developed a spiritual inheritance. Can I just say that in your family, if you are the first, you are the beginning of a whole new bloodline of believers that are going to come out of your life. Come on, who can believe that today? That it doesn't start and end with you. I wouldn't be in the ministry today if it wasn't for my parents. And my dad grew up in a horrible home. Got beat up, locked in a cupboard for days, highly abusive environment. He came out of that, gave his life to Jesus, everything changed. He had a radical conversion. It wasn't a psychological thing, it was an emotional thing. It stayed with him for the rest of his life. We can believe today that we are going to raise a generation of people that understand the power of spiritual inheritance, that understand that they can pour themselves out and other generations can be blessed. I pray that 2020 is a year that God will expand your vision in this area. God will expand your vision in this area. The third one is this, and it's legacy. It's what we talked about in October. And uh, I want to just kind of break this up into a couple of things the last few minutes I've got left. There are some plans on the wall, some artist impressions of what, it, what is to come. And uh, this is something that we're looking at for Casey. You know. And already we're just starting that process of actually looking at that and having conversations about that and already engaging counsel and engaging the, the right people that need to begin that process. You know, we can flick through the next one. Uh, that's a different angle of Casey. You know, I, I'm just amazed that in that whole area, they, they reckon in the city of Casey there's going to be over a million people over the next 20 years. Praise God that even now, us together as a congregation, we are thinking 20 years ahead, you know. Um, the other one that we're looking at is obviously our Dandenong congregation and uh, completely revamping the outside of the, our Dandenong congregation. What I love about this auditorium, this is a great auditorium, but we have a terrible foyer. <laughs> Everyone just jams in that foyer together. And so one of the things that we wanted to do was actually extend the foyer out so that we've actually got place for connection because we understand the power of the spiritual family. And yeah, it's not just about our next hour and a half meeting on a Sunday, but it's about connecting outside of the meeting so that we can actually build a relationship right across the board. Let's have a look at this. I think we've got an in internal one as well. No, that's another external one. There you go, look at that. Someone's on his phone. You like that? Um, and then we've got our Waverley campus. We'll get our way. We've got one more. Oh, there you go. One more. No, just go back. Just go back. That'll be me and Franca 20 years from now. <laughs> All right, keep going. <laughs> can you see it? I can. All right. That's another one. Don't worry about that one. Okay, so this is our Waverley campus. Looks amazing, eh? <laughs> We've completely gutted it. We're ready for the new thing that God is doing. So over Christmas time, they started to pull down all the old tiles and get it ready. If we can now flick on to the next one. And these are some of the images that we're looking at for our Waverley campus. 
Oh, that's the last one. I thought there were a few others. Okay, anyway, it's going to be better than that. <laughs> I just have to say, it is an exciting season to be here in the life of our church. And at the end of the day, it's not just about sacrificial giving. We talk about that. Um, but it's also about faith. You know, we are a church that has always embarked on large steps of faith. Um, when this building was first built, it was a big step of faith. I was talking to one of the board members back in, in the day, Malcolm Studd, and Malcolm was saying to me that, he goes, when they bought this particular property, uh, they had no money in the bank. And uh, uh, he was saying that uh, they wrote the cheque for the deposit with no money in the bank, believing that over the weekend that money will be raised. And on Monday when the agent banked the cheque, the money was there to actually put the deposit down on the land. Now that is skating pretty close to the line. But it's amazing how with what God has given them, it's amazing what God has actually done. This is a big step for us, this whole leg idea of legacy over the next five years. It's a big step. But can I just say this? For this church, it is not an uncommon step. It's a big step, but it's not an uncommon step. It's a significant step, but it's something that we have journeyed before. Let me encourage you with your giving, say with your house, this house. Let me read you out of Joshua. As Joshua is walking into a new season, you know, I take this for my own personal finances as well as for the finances of the church. This is a great thing. Church, in anything that we do, whether it's giving, whether it's responding to an altar call, whatever it is, there always has to be an element of faith when it comes to the things that we do for God. Come on, who knows that? Right, I love this. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 11 to 13. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as also did the Amorites, the Pezzites, the Hananites, the Hittites, the Gizzarites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, but I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. Can I encourage you this year as you are believing for your family and even some of the financial breakthrough you're believing in your own life. Can I say this? You are not doing it with your own sword and bow. God wants to step in on your behalf. And so I gave you a land in which you did not toil and cities that you did not build. You live with them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Come on, let's believe together in our own families that it's not just about our toil and how hard we work and the things that we need to do, but there is an element of God factor in every single thing that we do. That in our purpose and in the plans that God has for our life, in the journey that God has taken us, in our careers and so forth, that we are not doing this with our own sword and bow. I want to give you the 12 things as I finish that I actually pray for over the church. Today's a bit of a mismatch of a whole bunch of stuff, but I want to talk to you about the 12 things that I pray for over our church. I want to encourage you to pray them with me. And maybe if you're taking notes, you can write these down. But I want to encourage you today to, pray, to join with me. I've been praying these over our church over the last, number of, last couple of years. Almost every morning when I get early for prayer, it's one of the first things that I pray for over our church. What I realize this about prayer is that sometimes we go for the big prayer once a month, but it's the little consistent prayers on a daily basis that actually see significant shift and change in our lives, right? And I encourage you this year to actually walk into that. And so these are some of the things that I pray for as a church. And I shared with, with some of the Casey leaders the other day. I pray that we'll be a worshipping church. 
I pray that we'll be a church that understands the power of praise and worship. Not the power of spectator sport where the band is worshipping, we're just sitting there looking around. But there is something powerful when God's people begin to praise and worship Him and begin to lift up the name of Jesus. That in your own expression, in the way that you express yourself to God, that you give Him honour and thanks and declaration of His goodness and His glory over your life. The second thing that I pray for is that I pray for a spirit-led breakthrough church. I pray, yes, we have a board, and yes, we have an eldership and so forth, but I pray that we are spirit-led. I pray that we always listen to the Holy Spirit. I pray that it is a breakthrough church, that people who come into this church will have things that are broken over their lives, that this is just not a church just to enjoy yourself on a Sunday morning and, and meet and hang out. All of those things are fantastic, but I pray that God will do significant breakthrough things in your own personal walk with God, that there is breakthrough in healing, that there is breakthrough in emotional depression, that there is breakthrough in a whole bunch of other areas as well. The third thing that we pray for is that we pray for a hungry church. Jesus said, those who hunger and thirst will be filled. Not a church that says, we've seen there, we've done that, we've heard it all. You know what? We are just full to the brim. Come on, who knows that if you want to receive from God, you have to empty yourself out. What I love, the whole thing about surrendering your life to Jesus. Surrender is the idea of completely emptying yourself out so that God can fill you with His power and His goodness and His grace. That we have a hungry church. The second one is this, that we have a soul-winning church. That we understand that it's not just about us, but it's about winning people to Christ. Let me say this, church. There are a whole bunch of people in many different suburbs in Melbourne that have never known the grace of God. Never experienced what you, you and I experienced today. I pray that we would have a soul-winning church. And every year we have so many people give their lives to Christ. But I pray that that would just increase over the next few years. That there is a soul-winning church. I pray that we have a connected church. That there is not one person that walks alone. There's not one person that is isolated. But that we are actually connected together. That you are connected to someone. They say this, that in order for someone to really connect into church, you've got to meet at least six people. You know what, 10 years ago, I was a new person here. In my first few years, I just went out meeting as many people as I could. Not because it was my job, but because I understood I wanted to get connected in. The more people you meet, the more that you're going to get connected in. Number, the second, the, the, the fifth or sixth one is the United Church, that we are a United Church, united in vision, united in passion, right? Where there's unity, God commands a blessing. I think one of the greatest things that's happened over the last few years has been a, just a united effort with all of our campuses. I love the fact that we are all one church. We may meet in many different locations, but we are all one church. The second one is this, the, the next one is this, it's a young at heart church. Not a young church, a young at heart church. I've met some young people that have a mind of an 80-year-old, and I've met some 80-year-olds that have a mind of a 30-year-old. I'm not talking about a young church, I'm talking about a young at heart church. Well, the Bible says of Moses that his eyes did not grow dim as he lived his whole life. There was a sense of vision and purpose and destiny over his life. Come on, I want a young at heart church. It doesn't whether you're 80, 90, 110, you can still move around in the spirit. Young at heart church. The next one is this, a growing church. Not just numerically, but people growing. That you're growing spiritually. I want to ask you today, the person that you are today, is that the person that you want to be in 12 months' time? 
Because you know the Bible says that we are changed from glory to glory. We know that we can grow. We know that we can shift things. We know that we can break things over our lives. I think one of the greatest disappointments in, in any Christian's life to think that you're still battling with the same stuff year after year, no matter how many years that you've been saved. That is not the promise of God for you and I. God has given us so much of His grace and so much of His favor and so much of His power that we can actually grow and develop and become better people. The next one is the full church. Everyone wants the full church, right? The next one is a joyful church. Not a whinging church, not a complaining church. I came from a complaining church years ago. I grew up in a complaining church. Someone lifted their hand in worship. Someone would tap them on the shoulder, put that down. That's not what we do here. Don't get so excited. Someone would sing a bit loud and praise and worship. Just calm down, just calm down. I do believe there is something about people that have expressed the joy of the Lord all over their face. Joyful church. The last two is it's a resource church. And we are stepping into that zone. You never want to be a church with a big vision and small resource. Praise God that we are able to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for missions every year that we can give it all across the world. You know. The final one is this is it's an outward looking church. Church is just not about us, but it's about looking out into this nation and the nations of the earth, you know. These are the things that I pray for. God, give me a worshiping church. Give me an outward-looking church. Give me a soul-winning church. Can I encourage you to pray with me in this? Let's make this one of the best churches on the planet. I believe that God's hand is upon this church in such an amazing way. 2020, church, is going to be a year of breakthrough for you and I. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.